Welcome, welcome, welcome everyone to another exciting episode of Between the Lines. I'm your host. First and foremost, Merry Christmas to all our listeners. Merry Christmas to Between the Lines crew. Um, it's the packed show today. We're going to be talk, touching about a lot of things. Well, Christmas came early for my new fans, so we're going to be touching on it. Or should I say mixed feelings for them? Arsenal will feel excited. Man City won trophy number five this season. Um, we've got a pack show, AJ won. Um, AY, what's up? Yeah, um, I'm great. Uh, firstly, um, compliments of the season to everyone. Um, uh, so to the, um, the this week has been, you know, not not the best for United fans, obviously. Um, the Bills are doing well, the Celtics are doing well, so it's just um, it's just United really, and um, some good news earlier with regards to the, you know. To the structural, you know, shakeup that involved, um, you know, twenty five percent sale to Sergeant Ratcliffe. So there's a lot to talk about today. Let's um, let's okay. Let's get to it. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, sorry for cutting you short. So let's start with the uh, let's start with this uh, um, Jim Ratcliffe's prolonged saga. Is it finally over, or they've just come to a conclusion tonight? With the twenty five percent, just just take us through what's going on real quick, anyway, before we go into real football. Oh, okay. So what what has happened basically is uh, what um, we've been talking about for you know at least the past couple of months that uh, the Glazers prefer you know a partial sale of the club as opposed to a total you know sale that. Um, the Qatari, the Qatari Sheikh Jassim was was offering. Um, so what has happened is Jim, Jim, Jim Ratcliffe has completed, you know, a twenty five percent investment in in Manchester United to get a minority stake um, from the from the Glazers worth about um, one point three million pounds. Uh, is going to invest an uh, an additional three hundred million dollars into the club in the next one year, two hundred immediately, then hundred at the end of next year. Um, he is a as you know, he's a he's a local boy, he's a lifelong supporter of the club, and you know, he's also he also has other football sports investments. So I mean. He owns Inos, so Inos also has um other clubs like Nice in France, you know, and they they've having they've had investment in in cycling. So what has happened is Radcliffe will acquire twenty five percent of the club's Class B shares, which were previously exclusively held by the Glazer family, and up to twenty five percent of the Class A shares, which are traded on the New York Stock Exchange. So that also will guarantee him about for sure two seats on the on the board, which we believe have done to Sir Dave uh, Brailsford and uh who is a member of the Inos group and Jean Claude Long, who used to be the CEO of, of uh Juventus. Um there's no formal agreement as of now for Radcliffe to become 
a full owner of Manchester United, but he will get first refusal should the Glazers decide to sell more shares. So what is going to happen is if the Glazers decide to sell, say, another 10%, they have to offer it to Sir Jim Brackley first. Uh, and if he refuses to to buy, then they can offer it to, um, to somebody else. Um, you know, like, like we said, there were other... Sir Sheikh Jassim being Ahmad Altani wanted a full takeover and I think the Glazers were wary of that uh, you know some people say greedily uh, but Enos Enos what? No continue continue uh, so ahead of this um, confirmation Radcliffe's um uh, takeover uh, involvement rather the CEO Richard Arnold had announced he would be stepping down which means Patrick Stewart was named as the interim CEO uh, with Arnold pro- uh, providing transitional support until the end of December um, that that is also part of the deal but I'm I'm glad because uh, now we have two two sports heads on the board uh, you know Jean Claude Blanc, and um, um, the other the other person from Inos, um, who will always have who who have, have sat, that's Sadiv uh, who will have influence on the on the club, and we also know that right. Uh, but that's a cycling guy now. That's a cycling guy. That's why I said sports. I didn't say football. Uh, but he's also involved in in Nice. He's also on the board of Nice, so he knows what he's doing. With regards to football, but this this part of the deal is that Radcliffe takes full control of the footballing side of things. So that is the uh, sacking or hiring of manager, uh, player personnel. That's all now in, right, under okay. the control of, of Radcliffe. Yeah, of Radcliffe. The female team is part of it as well. Yes, one hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Let's 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 go back to you know. Our bread and butter, which is football. Well, they I was reading over the last couple of days the laundry list of sins that Ten uh, Hag has committed. Yeah, you know, they are bringing out stuff of 1930 or, and 1890 of how he has, you know, the, the record he's been breaking, which is absolutely staggering. He hasn't, <laughs> um, they haven't scored in four games since this is the first time that they've not scored in four games in a row since 1930. And there are a whole lot of of other things. But if you look at something like West Ham and you understand that, wow, look at the kind of signings they've made. You know, quality signings. I'm surprised Kudus went to West Ham. I'm not, I'm not even... And even look at Paqueta. You know, one or two of the big teams were looking at him the way they were looking at, you know, Gimaris. And then you see that, you know, David Moyes at the helm is a proper grown-up. He knows what he's doing. He may not be a flamboyant coach, but he gets in good enough results to winning off games and he has done this. They've had they have a lot of injuries, but for them to to beat Manu comfortably, what say you about that? What say you about that result one? Then in line with um Radcliffe coming into this <laughs> into Manu like this, is ETH um, sits hot? Uh first okay the first question is what happened yesterday. Okay, so you see, I, I don't know when, when Tenard comes out and says certain things. I don't know if he's trying to be clever 
or if he actually means what he says. Because yesterday, after the game, what Tenag said was, oh, we had control of the game till the 73rd minute, and uh, we had lots of chances, we threw away, and then, you know, they they took their chances. And to an extent, yeah, we had some chances we missed, uh, Ganacho especially. But West Ham is a team that gives the ball to the opponent. They allow to the everybody, opponent to, to everybody. Yeah. Yeah, so and then and then they try to hit you on the break or or on set pieces where yeah. they can drop the long ball in and Suchek can do his magic or where James Ward Prowse can hit a good free kick or corner. So having possession against West Ham is a given. <laughs> if, if if West Ham plays Everton tomorrow, Everton will have more possession than West Ham. So when you say, oh, we had more possession, we controlled play, it's it's inevitable. That's what West Ham does. They give you the ball. So that doesn't mean you've done anything special. It's different if we played Liverpool and we had more of the ball. Then we can say, oh, we had more of the ball, but Liverpool just hit up. Yeah, because we know Liverpool is a team that tries to get on the ball more. So I found that very, very disturbing. Like I said, I don't know if he says these things because it just wants to sound clever. Or he actually means them. Now to your second, to your second question, which is what will happen to him if you follow history of sports, or in particular football, when there is a takeover, the new people usually have they won't yeah. have their own money in place. They declare, declare yeah. usually, they usually like okay, this is what we want to do. We bring in a new technical director. We bring in this person. We bring in this person. This is what we want to do going forward. This is the style of play we want to play. So this is the kind of manager we want. You know what I mean? So John, John Claude Blanc might have an idea of, okay, look, maybe I can bring in my boy. It's an example. I'm not saying this particular person. He might have a good relationship with Zidane. And say, okay, look, on a good day, Zidane will not come to my you, right? But he's my boy. We we are close friends. We play golf if together. I, <laughs> exactly. If I have a certain structure in place for him, he'll be interested. You get me? So yeah. that that's what happens when you have new owners. They have they come with they come in with their own structure, with their own friendships, and they're like, okay, this is what we want to do, and we will get them down to do it. So in that case, no matter what the old manager does. The moment things start going wrong, they're gonna sack him. Yeah. Just to justify it. Right? If you remember vividly, um the point Man City started bringing in Barcelona structure. Yeah. They brought in a new CEO, they brought in a director of football from Barcelona. And the idea all along was to bring Pep. So um uh the the, the manager then was uh, Pellegrini, Manuel Pellegrini, right? In his first season, he won the league. In the second season, he was struggling. And by February, they announced they were going to hire Pep. The season had not even ended. <laughs> you know, they just put it out there for him to know, look, win or lose, you're going this season. So that's what happens when you have new owners that are coming with new structures. It's just, it, it's usually the end of the road for the manager, usually. But of course, in United's case, we can't say for sure because... The problem alone is not, the problem is not the manager alone. So maybe first they want to work on the structure, you know, 
bring in a different director of football, do things differently first, which might take six months on its own because now you're going to hire new people. You want those people to settle in. You want to have a new scouting system. You want all these things in place before you then say, okay, I'm bringing in the manager I always wanted. You don't want to bring your, your manager into a system that will make him fail. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's because of that, Eric Tenag might still have time between now to the end of the season or even one more season. He might, he might have the time. But the time is because they are trying to change things at the back, at the back room, you know. So how long that takes might be what keeps Tenag in the job. But it's inevitable. If he does not improve, there's nobody in the dressing in the boardroom that's going to fight for him. So that's just it. All right. Um, Ramsey, you guys and Mayu had the same result last time against Liverpool. So Liverpool plays Mayu and plays um, Arsenal back-to-back. 0-0 against Mayu, 1-1 against Arsenal. Um, the games, the two games felt different. Um, were you impressed with your performance? One, the penalty shout. Two, what, what's your take on those things? Two, and then finally... Excess water being poured on on the pitch. Are you? Uh, is that sportsmanship or is that just gaining an advantage? What's your overall thinking on, on those three topics? Okay, all right. Um, it's good to be remembered on the show because I thought I was becoming AY show and Manchester United. <laughs> uh, so, for the Liverpool Arsenal game, they are not the same thing. With uh, it's not the same with the United game. United was at Old Trafford to look for a draw. Which the gods? Asna was uh, sorry, was at Anfield. Asna went to Anfield to get a win, which uh, which they did not get. So at the end of the day, United achieved their own aim. Asna did not. Asna played everything they knew how to play. They did very well. They did not sit back. Asna did not. Asna went there to compete. They fought, and uh, but of course, Anfield is Anfield is not where you want to go to if you are not prepared. If not, they are going to disgrace you. They are going to embarrass you. But I, I see. Arsenal, this Arsenal has been better than last season. I was arguing it before because our last season was a little bit of Rolls Royce. We were scoring a lot of goals. If we concede, we score back almost immediately. But this season, I think we've sacrificed that flair for uh, solidity, I think, even in defence. So we manage games better and uh, the boys have matured to a certain point now and then you can trust them that they can go all the way. Uh, if I've been impressed with the performance, absolutely. I they, the boys left everything on the pitch. They gave it everything. Uh, could Arsenal have won it? Absolutely, yes. But could they have also lost it? Of course. Uh, for the penalty shouts, I still will not understand how Liverpool didn't get a penalty yesterday. That Odegaard incident was a penalty. Every day and three times on Sundays. You see all this nonsense of ball to hand and to ball. He touched your hand. I mean, you no know, touch your hand. He touched your hand. Penalty. That slip thing, I don't understand. I'm an Arsenal fan. Uh, glad I got a point. We could have actually won it. I'm angry because Gabriel Jesus had about two chances. Uh, Saka could have gone down when uh, yes, he dribbled yes, Alisson yes. and he yes, jumped. But he was, being, he was being honest. And then Martinelli uh, shot wide. Arsenal could have scored from that. Arsenal could have scored a lot of goals yesterday. Liverpool too. And then don't also forget that they had a breakaway when Odegaard and Zincheco, I don't know what happened to both of them. Village people, I, I, I'm, I'm guessing. <laughs> both of them, I don't know what happened. And then about five players were running at the Warrior, Declan Rice. And then what happened? <laughs> uh, we also what happened. 
Uh, so we, we also were up on. And then people will say, what do you want Rice to do? He did what every other defender would do. Nope. The Sassi will not do that. The Sassi will probably leave Salah and go to Mark, who he thought Salah was going to pass. Unless I saw Chelsea today and you know what, uh, what that is. And then there are about two, three Manchester United defenders that I know will do something differently. Apart from the warrior that is injured and uh, maybe Evans, that guy is intelligent. And then uh, the other question about yesterday was uh, about the pitch being what's had in a way to affect free-flowing football. Well, all is fair in love and war. As long as it is not illegal, anything you do to get three points. Um, so it, it just shows that Liverpool now realise that Arsenal is not that team that will turn up at Anfield and uh, by, by, by 25 minutes, they already four goals down. That was the last time that that happened, not in the last two years. Because once you step on, once we go to Anfield, even when they come to the Emirates, they are coming to pick three points. It's, it's just, it's not about, are they going to win? It's about by how many goals? Because by 15 minutes, they're already two goals up. And then we try to chase the game. They eat us. Uh, Mane, Firmino, Salah. We don't, we they chop five steady. So, but now they now respect us enough to be looking for a way to stop us from playing our game. And then unfortunately for them, they lost Simikas. Simikas was actually going to drag Saka down and then he bodied him. And then he became a collision of a player and his coach. So both of them, they did themselves the way they want to do themselves. And now Simikas is going to be injured for long. I don't like seeing players being injured, but anyone blaming Saka for that is just being satanic. That's what, that's what I feel. So uh, on the balance of the play, I think a draw was just the right result. Liverpool could have won it. They should have gotten a penalty. That's not a question. Uh, the Salah and the gang issue that they didn't score after the 78th minute mark that uh, Trent struck the woodwork, they should have scored from that. I do not understand how they didn't score, but of course... Uh, kudos to Declan Rice. He made himself so big that he covered the goalkeeper up. And then it was a fine game for me, but it was different from United last last weekend. Like United was just looking for a draw, the sad part, looking for counter attack. And then, of course, looking at what happened to them a year ago, it's going to be very stupid of them for to be careless so that it doesn't repeat itself. So they got a very good point, a very very good point. And then we got a fair point too. At least it shows that we are indeed a title contender. Let's let's touch on let's touch on let's touch on what's 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 happening. Let me stick with you, Ramsey. What's going on with Chelsea? They spent a billion pounds over the last couple of months, and right now I'm not blaming the I'm not blaming the billion pounds being spent. I just think that structurally they're still very inept in what they're doing. We don't know what they're trying to do. Yes, quality wise, um, Jackson. Somebody said you should buy form and study data analysis or something. You know, we have ridiculous statements all over social media. What's wrong with Chelsea? <laughs> okay. Ramsey. Everything is wrong with them. Everything. Nothing is working. And I, I saw their game today uh, for FPL reasons, simply because uh, I have Kopama and I also have uh, Leverkusen. So I was hoping for a clean sheet and maybe a goal involvement for Palmer. None happened. Palmer even got a stupid yellow card. But, but then, if you look at it from from uh, the board, the management, down to the players, even down to the fans, I think they should just start all over. I said this before, I'm going to say it again. They should understand that that Roman era has ended. And uh, when Tenag said eras do come to an end, I want to believe that he wasn't even talking about Manchester United and their chances. He was talking about Chelsea and their, and their, and their dead history. Because 
you look at them. Look, so when I saw their starting lineup today, I was seeing Leslie Bochuku, all those uh, virgin players that have not, all, uh, boys that don't even know what life is. Uh, like when, when I saw their lineup on their bench, I was excited to see Nkunku and I was glad he scored today, anyways. But they didn't, they, they even forgot how to play football. The goals they considered, they were schoolboy errors. And then I remember when they got the Sassy, uh, I think we agreed on this show that they wasted money. And that guy proved today that he, he should not be playing in the Premier League. He's not Premier League standard. Uh, 39-year-old um, Thiago Silva is still their best player by a countryman. Yeah, he makes mistakes, but what do you expect from a man that has to cover up for like seven or eight other players? Uh, they threw in uh, a rookie goalkeeper who did very well until they had to break the boy. Uh, you need to see the Jackson guy. He had about three chances, probably one-on-one with goalkeeper and... Uh, uh, I really do not. He's a fraud of a striker. I don't understand what exactly they saw in that guy. So, you know, all these one-season wonders. He had a fine season. And then what's, what's even a fine season about scoring 15 goals? It wasn't because a season. It was a purple patch at the end of the season. That's yeah, it was it, so so like for it's, it's so that's what I that's that's one thing I have against purple patch players. Players that need momentum, players that need form. For them to come through, there are some players that let them sink for about 89 minutes. Something will just happen and then it will just make the difference. That is why I let them kick Saka from today to tomorrow. The manager will still leave him up. Leave him up. Well, we are hurting the boy anyways. But then I still feel that he will still pull up with one interesting assist or something. But then you see all these purple patch players. They will not. They, okay, so he can, can come in February now and score about in five straight games. And then some people will be like, okay, that guy is worth 100 million pounds. I remember that AY said something on this show about Kaisido at some point that he might be a system player. I think he is a system player. He's not working in this Chelsea setup. He works in the Brighton setup because they are built to, for, they are not a top side. They are just an average side that is punching above their weight. So they will have to throw in a lot of tackles because they will see a lot of the balls. And then you, you the pull-up starts that he has about three million tackles in a game, and then you go pay that kind of money for him. Look at I, I don't even know where to start from. It's frustrating to even say as a football fan that Chelsea is disgracing the Premier League like this. I saw them today, and I, I it was a complete waste of time for me. I wish they could refund my time that I spent seeing them. Solution: They should just admit that they might get relegated. I'm not even sorry to say that it is not even banter because it is what it is. They are bad. They're terribly bad. So they should just admit that they are not going to win anything. They're just going to be a mid-table side for a while to rebuild all these uh, circumcised boys that they went to buy. They need time to gel together. If not, by January, they already said they want to sack Pochettino or they're going to be selling some players again. And then their owner is a very unintelligent guy that just sees names. Or when he sees that the manager is going after a player, he throws money at the player, the player comes. And uh, what happens? Absolutely nothing. That's it. Uh, good luck to them, though. Tottenham continues to show over the last couple of weeks, they've won about three or four in a row, and they won two on how they won that match. Only God knows, because Everton were they were really wasteful. I, I, Everton even actually knocked the ball around, gave them some high presses, and played quite well. And there was a surprise. Well, was, 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 it, was, it, was, it, was it Everton as a whole or Dan Juma? No, no. Yeah, Everton, you, you watched first half did you watch the first half? 
Yeah, I did. I, oh, yeah, well. They had a couple of chances in the first half. Yeah, but they had a, they had, but they had a goal that was disallowed um, yeah. because yeah. they said uh, Andre Gomez was Gomez too rough was, on, uh, well, yeah, yeah. on on Emerson without. I wanted to touch on Andre Gomez real quick. I remember when he he burst on the scene in Valencia and everybody wanted to pick him up. Real Madrid was sniffing, Barcelona was sniffing. It hasn't panned out as well. He went. Well, he to went to Barcelona Madrid. eventually. He went to Barcelona. No, as in what I'm saying is that he didn't pan out as well, like in terms of quality, because they were hyping him that this is yeah. a great central midfielder. He didn't pan out as well, but I, I could see his class yesterday, and I was, yeah, I was, I was thoroughly impressed by his yeah, performance. Really yeah. yeah, yeah, I was thoroughly impressed. I hope he's not. Uh, by, the, by the way, by okay. the way, who was that Magualada boy in your defense yesterday? Kumbaya, <laughs> right? <laughs> that guy, that is good. That guy is very good, very very good. The way you, the, his timing, his reading of the game, his composure, his confidence, and then I think he's also a showman. I, I saw the way he was trying to like, uh, uh try to uh, talk to the fans, yeah. United fans, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I saw that too. But, yeah, uh, I, but I heard Jimmy Plonda. Probably is your best. I don't know. I don't know. Talk to me about that guy. I'm interested. I like him. Uh, well, um, Willie Willie Kambiaya Ngosi is uh, is Congolese actually, but uh, he made his debut for Manchester United yesterday. Um, he was born in Congo, but I think he grew up in France because I know he, he, he captained the under seventeen of France once. Um, but I think he has declared for Congo now. I'm not hundred percent sure. Don't don't hold me on to that. So he's nineteen. He's tall. He's six foot four. Um, I believe, um, from what I saw yesterday, I think there's a bright future there. You know, these are the things we're talking about. If if we are struggling, I I, can, I always say this. Look, if your team is struggling and you see a pattern of play, you see certain young players coming coming through, it's less painful. But this idea of we have people earning 300,000 a week and giving us nonsense, I don't, it, it hurts. So this boy did well yesterday. What about yesterday. Kobe, Kobe Mainu? Mainu, what's, what's the pronunciation? Yeah. That, that's yeah. a DM boy. <laughs> Kobe Mainu is also a good player. Uh, he, made a, he made a huge mistake yesterday that probably uh, the second goal. I'm not even holding to that. Of course, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not trying to hold him out to that, but it's also a good one. Um, when you bring out, when you bring players from your academy and they click, you're saving the team. You're saving the club. You know, hundreds of millions of pounds because if Camboya can click, if Meno can click, Ganacho uh, has clicked. The value of these three, if they get to the top, is. Which Ganacho clicked. The one that was catwalking when he was supposed to score, he ran in front of the net yesterday because he scored one of our kick. I should just no, it's nah. nice. Look, look, we have to be we have to we have to, you know, when we talk about players, we have to also look at the age involved. Manchester United as a club should not be depending on a, a you know a 19-year-old to win games. Don't get me wrong, I'm not saying Chances, but if you are if you are losing a game because 
if you are losing games because of Ganacho, then the force is actually from you because you should not be depending on 19-year-olds. 19-year-olds should be part of your team, not the backbone of your team. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. If you look at teams like City now, City are not going to lose a game because um, what's not that um, young kid, um, the one that plays right back for them, Rico Lewis. Uh, City are not going to be losing three games because Rico Lewis is on the pitch. Ugolis is supposed to be part of the team, part of because you have older, more mature players there. It's supposed to just be part of the team. So even if I agree with you that Ganacho was wasteful yesterday, but the onus is on us to create more chances and not lose because of Ganacho. And not say, oh, my United are struggling, oh, Ganacho is not. No, 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 no. Even when Ronaldo was 19, United were not depending on Ronaldo to win games, you know. You get we, we, maybe it cost us one or two games, but you will not say, Oh, my United did not do well this season because Ronaldo was 18 year old, Ronaldo was wasteful. United should not be depending on a 19 year old, so that's on us, not on him. Mm-hmm. But you're right, he was wasteful yesterday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like we've touched on Tottenham, we've talked on Chelsea, Aston Villa, um, Aston Villa drew one run. Um, I like where they are. They have a very good manager. Kudos to Nai Emery. He continues to <laughs> he continues to make uh, a lot of beautiful wine out of you know whatever it is that is. He's just he's just doing a fine job with with the resources he has. Um, congratulations to <clears throat> excuse me, our boy Boniface for winning um rookie of the month for the in that's Bundesliga for the fifth month running fourth or fifth fifth month running. With fifth, yeah, fifth month running. Congratulations to him. Um, we hope to see him. Of course, we hope to see him in the in the Nations Cup. Congratulations to our boy as well, um, Osimhen for signing a new contract to 2026. Although they lost to Roma yesterday, and he got sent off for I think two bookable offenses. They lost two 0 to Roma yesterday. Um, Italy have Italy have a very good league right now and I, I'm I'm liking what I'm seeing. The two contenders for the league this season are Inter and Juve and they are doing fine things. They are just winning games for fun and it's and in and Juve have gone back to what they know how to do best with Allegri, which is the one nil performances. And once they once they start doing that they are one nil is very frustrating. Three points, three points, three points, three points, please plus three plus three like that and they win. Um, let, let, let me talk on, let me really, let me touch on this one real quick. Um, Ramsey, you can help me with this. Pioli, do you think he's going to last this, um, um, this winter holiday in AC Milan? For me, I think you are worried about the wrong person. Uh, that imposter <laughs> that, that, that imposter that Napoli uh, have at the helm, uh, Walter Mazzari. That guy has no business being the manager of, of, of Napoli. So they were going to show uh, Garcia the exit door, and they went to hire uh, the Italian version of Ladam Bosso. I do not understand <laughs> it. This guy has been on like three million jobs with zero success. Uh, but then, of course, the owner said he was looking for Laurentiis. He said he was looking for an Italian. There are so many Italians that can do the job, and he went for Mazzari. So I'm just ashamed for Napoli because champions playing like uh, Crystal Palace. It is what it is. And then for Pioli, I, I think that they did not sign well in the summer. 
Chukweze. Do you think because this guy left? Do you think because this guy left was kicked out, Maldini? Because they've made a lot of shrewd signings. And I many, that many, many, yes. many of them did Juventus did that too. Uh, the likes of uh, this fraudulent Ballon d'Or winner, Fabio Nedved. I think he fraudulent Ballon d'Or winner. <laughs> 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 it was the year that Ori was supposed to win. That's right. Ori should have won that one, but we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that later. Uh, so uh, they, uh, most of them did that. I think that it, there's this high level conspiracy thing that you know Italian football. Two years now, you hear that something happened this season that they are deducting points from from, uh, from some people. For uh, there's so many things about there's so many things about them that about Italian football that you have to. So you say uh, that, that you cannot. So you say it's shrouded in a lot of mystery, right? A lot of mystery, a lot of things that you hear later, you be like, what the, what the, what the. So, uh, but then I think Juventus or Inter Milan. I think Juventus will win the league this season. Yeah, I think Juventus win the league. But for purely, I, I think he's struggling because they did not buy rights. They didn't buy rights last summer. All those boys that they bought to replace the likes of Kessier, to replace all those guys. Then, then uh, Mayon was injured for a long time. He came back and he hasn't been the same. Yes, he still makes fantastic saves, but there are so many things about that. Rafael Leal has to be the most casual player that I know. He misses chances for fun. He's talented, yes, but... I don't want him near my club. He's a very frustrating, talented player. I don't want that kind of person near my club. So, uh, fairly, I don't know. I don't know what you want to do with a guy that won the league for you uh, two seasons ago. And, you know, Italian football, they can hire one, another very funny guy like that. And you know the way they trade players. There's some players you see this season, like, I thought this guy was a Salernitana. He's now at Tempoli. And then next thing you hear is a Cagliari. And then, boom, Coluna. So there's a way they there's a way they trade there that can never happen in the Premier League. Never. A Liverpool player going to Manchester United. How? How? Just how? So yeah, that's it. Well, let's let's um for the football. Ma- Madrid continues to astound. Another ACL happened over the week. I think Alaba got an ACL, so he's done for the season. Couture also came out and said, I'm not going to Euros 2024. So and then Nacho decides to get a straight red. And what happens? They still find a way to win. And it was the week that they released the wonderful video of their stadium. And Ancelotti is doing a, an amazing job. I think they're about five, six ACLs this season. And they are top of the league. And they won six out of six in, in, um, in the Champions League. Ridiculous performance from Ancelotti. I'm so impressed. On the other hand, Javi is struggling. Uh, he's had a couple of injuries, but last season they overachieved defensively because I watched, I think I watched about 50, about 60% of their league games last season. And you will see at the end of the a match, they win 2 nil, and the opponents have had like 3-4-1-1 and they didn't score. Either they ballooned the ball like badly or, you know, they were stage fright or... or, or Stegen made an amazing save, and but this season they've you know they've been found out, and anytime anybody goes through and go, it seems to score. So it's very fascinating what's what's happening with um 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 Barcelona at the moment. But um Ay, let me just let's just wrap up this football conversation with Atletico Madrid. Talk us about um Griezmann became the highest goal scorer of all times in Atletico, one seventy three goals. 
why why does why why has Griezmann found a home in a notoriously crazy um um team that this young man Simeone is handling and he is the one driving. You know how it is. If you want to succeed under uh, Simeone, you have to work hard. You have to be willing to track back up your your wingers and your your wing backs and call. You have to be willing to press. If if you are hardworking, if you can if you can press, if you listen to Simeone, then you will you will do well in his team. That's um, something Jao Jao Felix was unwilling to do. Uh, with regards to how well Real Madrid are doing this season, I think you also have to factor in the fact that Barcelona has been rather poor. I think they overachieved last year, and uh, we are seeing that we are seeing the result of that this season. But, 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 but see what Madrid. So sorry, see what Madrid is doing. It's not like they are winning, drawing, losing. They're actually winning, 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 winning. winning. But uh, yeah, you have to. Like I'm always wary when a team is doing well because one player is overachieving. Uh, well, but don't let me say overachieving, but when because one player is being exceptional, that player is Jude Bellingham. If you remove Jude Bellingham from the <laughs> equation, I think Real Madrid will probably be maybe yeah, but slightly. But they've slightly had too many injuries as well. That's so what I'm saying. Step up, yeah. They've had injuries at the back, yes, but and Even they've also had. They've had Vinicius, you know, unavailable for parts of the season. But I am wary of saying, oh, Real Madrid have been so fantastic. No, no, it's more of Bellingham. It's, uh, I'm not saying Ancelotti has not done well. He's done well to get the best of Bellingham. But Bellingham has really carried them over the line this season. And that is why if they don't sort out the back, for example, if they don't sign someone to replace the injured players, they won't go far in the Champions League because they will eventually get on stock against the big team. That will just put the clamps on Bellingham and they will, and they won't win. So they need to. I personally hope they can come and buy Varane <laughs> from my team. Uh, maybe they can take their Varane back. They need to just sign one or two players because if they go into the Champions League with all these injuries because right now I think uh, Rudy guy is the only available centre back. Well, they can't sign if they sign Varane, he'll be ineligible for, for well, no, it will, it will, it will be eligible. Yeah, you can sign uh, the cup tie thing has been removed, so you can sign three players that register there. So if they sign Varane, he will play in the Champions League. Okay, yeah, okay, so um, yes, something happened on Monday was the Champions League draws, you know. Everybody was excited. Did you know they called the Napoli Baka draw the Maradona Derby? There was a <laughs> Derby that was between uh, Atletico and Inter Milan. Um, I think Arsenal was against Porto, Man City was against uh, Man City was against um, um, Copenhagen, Madrid against Leipzig. Um, top of my head that I can remember right now. So, um, which 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 draw? In all, which of the draws in all of this uh, is the one that you know what I'm looking forward to because the quality of football will be excellent. There are so many storylines within this particular draw. So, what do you, which draw do you think that you're interested in? 
Uh, of all the games, I think the most interesting would probably be Inter Milan, Atletico Madrid, and uh, Paris Saint Germain, uh, Real Sociedad, and you also have to look at Napoli and Barcelona. So, um, Atletico Madrid and Inter Milan is going to be one to watch out for because, um, you know, they're both good teams. Um, I think Inter should edge that. Inter seems to be like a better squad, but on Atletico's day, anything. (laughs) (laughs) Sociedad and PSG because Sociedad is, I like the way they play. They're unfazed. They, They don't, you know, they... No matter who they play, they come out, they kick the ball around, they press high. So that's the another top, top of the very top group. Yeah. Yeah, the top the group. Yeah, the top the group. Um against PSG that have not done too well. Uh they were in a difficult group, but they were very lucky to escape that group. Uh considering uh they need to reinforce. I believe they're about to sign a player from Brazil. Yeah, it's centre back. It's centre back from Brazil. Uh, yeah, it's centre back and the Mascado, the DM. Yeah, Leandro. I can't remember his other name, but they're signing a, you know, a couple of players. So hopefully that improves. But of course, these players are also very young, so I don't know how much they can contribute right away. So PSG should see that for one. Inter Milan Atletico Madrid. That's another one. I believe Inter will win. I believe PSG because of the firepower up front with. Mbappe, maybe they have the edge in that one. And the Napoli and Barcelona, that's going to be a tough one. Uh, we know how poor Barcelona has been at the back. And if you're poor Napoli, at the back, and you have... Napoli too have been poor at the back. Yeah, and if you have someone like Oshiman, <laughs> you know, it, it's going to be a very tough one for Barcelona. I think based on experience, I would say Barcelona might edge that one. Uh, but February is very far. We have to see the forms of yeah, these teams in February. That time, yeah. yeah, but the, the easy so, ones are, yeah, the easy ones are Bayern, Lazio. That's gonna be Bayern, uh, Copenhagen City. That's pretty easy. Arsenal should you know should do away with Porto. Dortmund should be able to beat PSP. So that's it. Okay. Okay. Um. Okay. I think we've covered everything on football for today. Um, okay, predictions for midweek, real quick. Sorry, in the Premier League. Um, Ay, what's what's your take on them? It's Tuesday. Wednesday. Okay, so I, uh, I'm just gonna run through the fixtures. I, I believe the first one is Villa United. That's my team, so I think I know that's coming up. Uh, oh, that's not even the first one. The first one is Newcastle, Nottingham Forest. Newcastle are struggling. Nottingham Forest have a new manager, so They're struggling too. That's why they have a new manager, but I think Newcastle at home probably be too much for them. Bournemouth and Fulham, Bournemouth have been absolutely impressive lately. Yes, yeah, uh, so so, like I scored a hat-trick yesterday. Uh, Fulham won a couple of games by 5-0 and then they lost yesterday 2-0 to Burnley, so I don't know what to say there, but I think Bournemouth should be able to edge it out of current form. They're the battle of the relegation team, Sheffield United and Luton, Luton have been doing very well, to be to be to be frank. They've been quite impressive. I think even if they go down, I think this is gonna be a season where they can say they give you know good account of themselves. I know they, they'll probably eventually run out of steam, but I believe they can get something at Sheffield tomorrow. Burnley Liverpool, uh, that's only one winner there. That's Liverpool. 
United Villa. I don't know. I don't. Who is our home? United Villa. United at home, Old Trafford. Um, Emery will win. <laughs> um, uh, I've already heard that the uh, one of the one of the directors, the new directors, is going to be there. Um, I think United will win this two one. Um, on Wednesday, Brentford and Wolves. Uh, Brentford have not been in good form. Uh, they, 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 they have a couple of striking injuries. Yeah, their their yeah. attack is lean at the moment. Yeah, but they didn't even play over the weekend because we were supposed to play City and City yeah, were in, yeah. in the World Cup Championship. So, Wolves, I think, I see a draw there. Chelsea, Crystal Palace, I think Chelsea should beat Crystal Palace, but it's Chelsea. <laughs> <laughs> Everton City, I think City should win Everton. Maybe I don't just, think so. I don't think maybe, so. Maybe by a goal. Yeah. I'll say 2-1. Okay. Then on Thursday, Brighton oh, will play. Sorry, sorry, sorry. How injured is Alan? Because uh, he always shrouds their injury conversations. You know, this is how we were, you know, they were whispering about, um, what's his name, De Bruyne until, okay, true, true, he's really injured and he hasn't played since August. How injured is uh, Alan? According to the app, Alan has a 75% chance of playing. So, okay. I think he will play. Yeah. Uh, Brighton, Tottenham, that's a tough one, but I think Tottenham should edge it. Arsenal West Ham, I think Arsenal should dispatch Who is at home for this Arsenal West Ham? Arsenal at home. It's at uh, the Emirates, yeah. And then oh. of course we're going to we're going to have a recording on Thursday after that game. Or oh. probably before that game, because the Arsenal game is gonna be it's gonna start at eight fifteen Nigerian time. So we'll we'll figure it out, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, so... We'll talk about it. Yeah. On Thursday. Okay. Let's let's um let's shift to we saw the day of recording it happened this morning. A couple of nice fights happened. AJ seems to be leader now. I think I think he has changed his mentality. I think he's changed his team in terms of technique. I see him being more technical because I've always just felt that with a better fighter in terms of technique, AJ has AJ has power. We know that. He has power. He's a bit brute, but he's a bit crude. But I just think I, I just feel that right now I'm seeing a more skilled boxer, and he's going back to his fundamentals. And he's won the last three fights, and I he's he almost felt like okay, you know what, you're done at this level. Go and look for all those small small fights. Just get paid here and there. You see, you see AJ, but he's back, you know, in the right circles, and I I'm I'm impressed with that. Um. Deontay Wilder, he hasn't improved. He's still a terrible fighter. But if that right hand gets onto you, if that right fist gets on your face, it's a total knockout. And if you're skilled enough and defend well enough, you won't he won't beat you. Of course, easier said than done because that he has he has the a joker in his card and he can use it. Day of reckoning. Sorry, sorry, let me add this. I'm impressed with what the Saudis are doing in terms of building, um, putting themselves on the map in, in sports. And it's not just one sport. It's not just football. They're in golf. They're in um, Formula E, Formula One. Um, yeah, I think they want to be in Formula One as well. And now, over the last couple of years, they're pushing for boxing. MMA is coming. Just, just your overall take on their record. 
Uh, uh, to talk about Saudi investing in sports, I think it's uh, it makes a lot of sense because Saudi Arabia is one of the uh, largest tourist countries in the world because of uh, it's the it's the home of two two of the most important holy sites in the Islamic uh, world in Medina and Mecca. So there's always been the tourist angle to Saudi Arabia, and in order to you know, exploit that and make more money from tourism. They've been investing in sports, making their football better, uh, investing in golf, Formula One, now boxing, like you said. So that's a good one for them. Uh, when you talk about diversity, div- diversifying your resources, which is something we talk about a lot in our own country, but we never, you know, get to, get to do. And it is not a political podcast, so let, let's focus on sports. Uh, they're reckoning, yeah, I mean, I'm not too faced by Anthony Joshua and Deontay Wilder. I think these are two boxers that uh, I think they are, they are no longer at their peak. So it's about cashing out right now. Uh, the thinking was that Deontay Wilder was going to win and Joshua was going to win to set up, you know, a fight next March or April, but... Uh, while they had other ideas <laughs> and that has that has fallen flat. So I don't know where we're going from here. I believe Anthony Joshua will fight for the IBF title. I think I can't remember who, who, uh, who is with the title now. Uh I believe it's uh someone someone from one of the eastern countries or something. I don't I can't remember. So yeah, Philip uh, Igovic, yeah. So, I don't know. Like I said, right now, I think both parties are just trying to cash out uh, or wait to what happens between um, uh, Tyson Fury and Ushk. Whoever wins that or whoever loses that, that might give uh, Anthony Joshua an opening. If he can win his next fight, uh, the Ushk fight is probably going to be two. The first and the rematch, so that means to uh, 2024, Joshua probably not have a shot at the titles. Uh, if he can beat uh, Philip Igovic, um, then maybe he can be maybe a contender. And don't don't forget, there's this. Um, oh, I can't. I'm not good with with names when it comes to boxing. The the the, the Cameroonian that fought Tyson Fury. Um Gano. yeah. He he's also looking at maybe, you know, getting into the boxing ring. Maybe if Joshua can set up a fight with him, that improves his chances of, you know, maybe fighting whoever wins between Fury and Ushk. That might be the way to go. The Deontay Wilder fight, which Joshua was supposed to be $100 million. Now that has gone you know, up, up in smoke, excuse me, because of Wilder's, you know, inconsistency. So I don't know the way forward for Anthony Joshua. Like I said, it's about making money now before he retires, uh, because I don't think he's still at his peak. I, don't, I think he has, he has lost his, his, you know, he's no longer at the top of his game anymore. And he's 34 already. So if he's not getting a shot next year, that means he's not going to get a shot till he's about almost 36. So, but let's wait and see. All right. Well, let's wrap up with 
American sports. Your Celtics continue to impress. Um, this guy is putting up a, is he's putting up an MVP season, especially in the regular season, and that's um Joel Embiid. I I saw his I saw his December numbers is absolutely staggering, almost forty points per game and all that. You know he's absolutely playing amazing basketball at the moment. Jokic I think is number two, Yanis number three, and I'm I'm just impressed with the quality of the international guys. You know. It gives it gives color to the it gives it gives color to the league and I'm just I'm thoroughly impressed. Celtics, I think right now on paper, or let me not say on paper, in the league right now, they are playing the best basketball in they are playing the best basketball in the NBA. Am I am I wrong to say that? Uh one hundred percent you're correct. The Celtics are the best team right now <laughs> in the league. Yeah. But Celtic always self-destruct, so I'm not bothered. So winning the NBA title, I'm not. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. Well, last night I, uh, uh, my boy LeBron put up forty points, first, first win in five since the since picking up the tournament, in season tournaments. They've been awful. He's he's barely played, but he played last night. Gave them forty, fantastic win for them. Um, yeah. So this kid that moved to. Um, Sixers, Clifton or Lif Clifton. What's what's up with why 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 is there a lot of uh, noise about him? So what 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 kid what kid is that? The kid is like a forward. Um, I think second year or something. Clifton. Uh, his name is skipping my mind right now. I'll check. The, the um Sixers just picked up a forward. Right, he was a two way player in one of the lower the lower teams. I, I just remembered now. It wasn't it wasn't a topic. I just remembered now as I was just thinking about it. I'll maybe maybe next week. Okay, on, on the current roster, I did I yeah, don't want to be sure. Yeah, on the current roster. I don't I, I okay, need, okay, I don't. okay, don't worry, don't don't worry about that. Um um thank you very much, um AY. Thank you very much, um Ramsey. Yeah, we've come to the end of another exciting show between the lines. Merry Christmas to um us. Merry Christmas to also our audience. Uh, make sure that you eat plenty of rice and chicken and share the joys of Christmas with um our loved ones. Um thank you very much um AY. Yeah yeah you're welcome always nice to be here. Yeah. Cheers. Uh, so Merry Christmas from between the lines to all our audience. Uh, make sure you check us out um on all our platforms. Um thank you very much and uh good night.